Looking to be more nomadic and less traditional? You're in the right place. Broadcasting from Canmore, Alberta, welcome to the Mountain Life Podcast. The stories of life, work, and play in the Bow Valley. Recorded in the E equals MC squared co-workplace with your host, Jason Backdash. Hi, everybody. Jason Bektash here from the Mountain Life Podcast. Thanks for joining me. It is May 2nd, and today I interview Staff Sergeant John Enius. And uh, John has had an incredible career with the RCMP. And may I say, as, as a guest, he's one of these individuals that has a heart for community and just um, it's almost like it was always a part of his life to serve uh, the community and the public that he's been involved with. Uh, I'm just really excited to have John as part of this community, and uh, and it was just an extreme privilege to have him on the podcast. If you're at all interested in law enforcement in the Bow Valley uh, or law enforcement in general as it relates to the RCMP, this is definitely the episode for you. Enjoy. So, John, thanks for being here. I always like to start our podcast with um, just a little bit of a background on you and uh, how you came to Canmore. So, um, and you're not from here originally. You moved here three years ago. Yep, right. That's but correct. Maybe give us a little bit of a brief personal history. Sure. Um, well, my history, of course, I'm in, in the Mount of Police, and we move around a lot in our career. And uh, my desire in Saskatchewan because I spent 22 years of my career in British Columbia, and I'm born and raised British Columbia. So my goal was to ultimately get back to British Columbia. Uh, so when I looked and saw an opportunity for a promotion, I applied and then I won the position to come here in Canmore. Uh, love the mountains. My first posting in Lillooet was in the middle of the mountains. So this, this brings back some of that feeling of being first brand new in the mounted police, and then coming to a mountain community like Canmore, is very exciting and I just just love it here the I mean I just feel so embraced I think by the mountains where you know you talk to a lot of prairie people and say man I need to climb up and have a look see because I feel claustrophobic with them while I just I feel comforted being in the mountains it feels good yeah mm-hmm. and um, so yeah let's talk a little bit about just your um, your sort of time with the with the RCMP and um, and you've you've lived in three different provinces. Uh, yep. Yeah, and had a variety of different roles. Like, yep. Um, well, I mean, like starting my career in British Columbia, I was uh, in, first involved in Native or Aboriginal policing. I did three and a half years work with that in, in Lillooet, and Lillooet was. Uh, diverse in that there was uh, the railways were big at the time mining kind of was shutting down but forestry was huge the industry there first nation culture was active in uh, the food fish industry uh, of of getting uh, food from the river so they were uh, dip netting and it was exciting and fascinating to see that and the part of the culture um, I was also quite young I joined when I was 20 so my goal was to wow. To be a police officer and uh, what was happening in my career at that time was trying to do liaison work and get to know the community and and i wanted to be more uh, investigative driven and more enforcement driven so that's kind of where i was looking at so when i went back into the academy and i joined us at the rank of special constable going back to the academy but going to the rank of constable and moving to Lake Couchin, Vancouver Island, a small community. We had six constables. Uh, a corporal was new to that role coming in and then a sergeant in charge. And we had a huge, here again, diverse area of logging, 
we had a small First Nation community on the West Coast um, called Nitnat. And like, I, as I grew older and, and sort of started to come wiser, knowing what policing was, community integration, community involvement was was very big and understanding what that is. So I, I grew attached to the Nitnat community. I have some very close friends. If I Whenever I go back to the Cowichan Valley, I meet some of them, and it's rekindling those relationships and friendships. So that that became an integral part of what I thought saw policing growing into. So when I moved to Nanaimo, I was in Aboriginal policing there for about a year. Uh, did a role in uh, uh, what we call shift or the watch duties, where we do 24-hour policing and part of a team that moves through the watch. Mm-hmm. And then I also getting older. I needed to no longer be on night shift, <laughs> so traffic duties was was attractive. Uh, we worked like no later than one o'clock in the morning, so I was home at the end of the day and it was kind of nice. <laughs> and then uh, I, I had a desire to get back into Aboriginal policing or that, that kind of work, and an opportunity arose in Duncan Detachment. I went there and policed in Duncan for nine years. That role changed significantly now to where we were individuals on a watch or a team, went to a unit component, and when I left there, they grew into an actual uh, corporal and three or four members on on the unit doing proactive um, uh, community policing with the Aboriginal piece. My desire was to teach and go to the academy. So what's that? You know, the, the unique thing about the amount of police is you can do wherever your career is driven to focus and look at. You can do it from forensic identification services, traffic, traffic enforcement, uh, collision investigation, uh, commercial crime. Looking at the fraud, high level uh, white collar crimes, uh, major crimes. If you want to be involved in looking at how. Uh, how effective you could be in, in, in solving or investigating serious crimes that happen. And, and within the province or nation, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Musical Riot is out there available. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's, it's actual, those are actual sworn police officers doing the Musical Riot. Yeah. I mean, me and horses, we just don't get along. <laughs> I like my, I like what I ride to have an engine. Yeah, keep the horses in the motor. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, I mean, those those are very duties, and instructing at the academy was one of them. So I did that for about three and a half years in, in Regina. Starting at a young age like that, mm-hmm. was that was that normal when you started, or no? Like that's um, a... Yeah, well, it was, it was falling off to the end. I was kind of an, an anomaly. Okay. Because when I... When you look at the policing world from, say, early 70s to 78, 79, 80, 81, yeah. you had your 18, 19, 20-year-old Mounties. Um, as the force evolved, they were looking more to a more mature okay. uh, life experience, uh, uh, having either college, university education, that background. So when I joined the Mounted Police at 20, an opportunity presented where it said, hey, you're First Nation, Aboriginal. Yeah, well, we need Aboriginal police officers. You want to try this route? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I went at the uh, Native Special Constable program. And here again, like I say, my focus wanted to be investigational. So I went into the constable ranks and and had the ability to, to be mobile and do different kinds of duties. When, when did you realize that that was your calling? Like, when did you? Aboriginal policing? Well, yeah, we're uh, policing, just, we're or, policing in general. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, I... It's one of those things um, my mom said uh, when I was quite young. She said I wanted to be a police officer. Yeah. And my only interaction with policing was, uh, I remember once riding a bicycle 
and seeing a, a Mountie in Port Alberni doing a display of the car. And then once in school, we had a you know the general school presentation. Yeah. The dog, the dog master came in with the dog, and they talked briefly about their duties. But when I when I was sitting at home as a teenager, 18, 19, you know what? I want to do something productive with my life. What does that look like? I think I'll go down and join the mounted police. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did, and uh, from there it grew to evolving as a as a person, evolving in my career. And then I think my goal, I remember we get to every now and then you get to look at your personnel files. And my initial interview was, John wants to help people. Mm -hmm. uh, we think this is kind of naive of John because he'll see duties later on that we really don't help people. And I kind of read that. Interesting. And it is interesting because now I look at my role as I still want to help people. And what I do is my strengths are in helping my uh, my unit yeah. or my people in the unit is to be developed into being better people uh, and later on that develops to be the best kind of police officer to deliver the service and then they're they're involved in the community yeah so I, I i still see my role as helping people so when i see an opportunity to, to help somebody or help a community i i try to find that my need and how i can meet their need yeah that really struck me when you mm -hmm. were doing our lunchbox lecture just just before our interview mm -hmm. and um, so a lot of a lot of your various roles with with the RSCMP and um, you know in the various different provinces and so on you you community has always been a really important part yes seems to to you specifically as a person as exactly well. yeah well where does that come from like that sense of community was that something that's kind of ingrained well, in you or I, I think so or you mean with like I'm the eldest of five um, grew up in a community oh, yeah. that that my mom and dad were always active doing something in the okay. community, whether it be supporting the community or community service or, or leadership. My dad was uh, served as chief in our in our reserve okay. for a period of time. Mom, mom was instrumental in education in our community, and she started our, our preschool kindergarten program. Uh, mom was always saying, you know, you need to do something in the summer. Here, try this, you know, and try that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was, a lot of it was um, either leading youth or being a part of the youth and or just doing labor work in the community, you know. And then later on, you know, just that desire to, to be a part of it and, and a helping role, mm -hmm. that, that seemed to inspire me. You, um, and you talked about, um, so one part of it was this, really important community piece but then yep. also this sort of desire to teach yep. and to mold young minds that are yeah. in law enforcement what, where did that come from what? um well my desire was to to be a uh, instruct and, and I, mm -hmm. I don't know why that was there other than just to i wanted to be that yeah. and when i when i got there it was, I was a 22 year service. I remember the Sergeant Major, he, he gave a presentation and he kind of took me aside and said, John, you, you got a lot of service. I said, what, what brings you here? I said, well, I just wanted to, wanted to have that experience of teaching. Okay. And actually the joy of, of teaching or instructing is that you, you meet people that that bring different things to the table. We had, I mean, engineers. Uh, we had uh, people that had different careers. Uh, that I remember one meeting a guy who was 53 years old, and 
he had a full career in the Department of Justice in, in, in Yellowknife, and he said, my experience is I just wanted to be a police officer. Yeah. I said, well, that's cool. I'm glad we're able to do that for you at your age, and because we're about the same age at that time. I, said, I don't think I'd go back to basic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, they bring they brought a lot, and it inspired me. I mean, that was, you know, I had 22 years service. It's going back to better than 10 years ago, and my career has continued because when I was – uh, I was in a comfort zone in Ladysmith, living in a beautiful community, and at 22 years service, I could have wound my service down. And you know, I looked at different opportunities. I wanted to wanted to shave ice, be a be a cool. you know an ice <laughs> ice cleaner yeah. by day, part time bus driver, and then play hockey. Yeah, you know. But now I I feel like I wanted to be a, bring a better part or more bring more to a community I came to serve. Yeah. And then help our, help our members and staff to be better people. All right, Alan. Well, let's segue and talk a little bit about law enforcement here mm -hmm. in, in Canmore. Um, so uh, maybe just tell me a little bit about your role here specifically mm -hmm. in Canmore and just an overview of how that works. Because yeah. you said this was a this was a promotion that yeah. you – Yeah. Yeah. So my role here is a detachment commander. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm – even though you see me sitting here wearing a, a protective vest and a sidearm, I'm actually in my uniform behind a desk, and I do policing by computer. Okay. So I, I'm in charge of a lot of the admin side of how a police office runs, and I'm also the face at the leadership level should we get involved in any community initiatives or, or meeting uh, mayor and council, the admin side of the town of Canmore, and also the on the provincial side, the MDs and IDs the MD of Bighorn, I meet with them frequently and to discuss uh, policing priorities, how we can better serve the community. And I, I, bring, I uh, bring that to the detachment and try to uh, see, are we meeting these objectives? Mm -hmm. What can we do differently to meet some of these priorities that are defined? And how can we do a better job of that? So that's my role at the detachment level. Um, so... The nice, unique thing in coming to Canmore, I noticed, is that there we're not the mainstay. When other policing isn't the isn't the big thing, the town of Canmore um, they have they have bylaw services. There's uh, emergency services at the fire department side. There's the provincial services of rescue. Uh, so we're kind of a, a, a spoke in the hub, mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to the hub. And I really like that. When I got to Maidstone. We were spread out. Uh, we had a large area to cover. We, we had nine electoral bodies that were looking to policing. What can we provide for you? And they were very compassionate and understanding. Say, we know you guys are busy. Do your best for us. So we tried to do what we can in all, all facets of policing. When I was in Aboriginal policing, um, they had uh, specific needs and desires of what they wanted their police service to do. And we had to either explain why we couldn't do those or we had to try to support the detachments and this is what you need to do for your police service. So those were very unique um, <laughs> needs and it's, the, the good thing is, you know, the majority of our people involved in all these roles, they mean well, they want to do well, they want to serve their communities, they just want to either find out how they can do better or try to explain why we can't meet those. And we're fortunate here in, in the Bow Valley People are coming here, they want to live here, they want to be part of the community, and they want to do their community well. So we just simply see where we can fit into what we can do well. When you took on this role, did does it come with a certain mandate, or was there like really specific initiatives that you, you knew you mm -hmm. had to work on mm -hmm. before you 
you know, got to the no, the, no, it wasn't basically, I mean, there's four lines of descriptors. Okay. You know, lead the detachment, okay. determine what the priorities are um, from the community and, and in, integrate some of those in, in your policing uh, that you apply to meet those needs of the community and and uh, respond to the divisional national priorities as well. Yeah. So, and, and so the strategy that you, you walked us through, mm-hmm. Um, that was a strategy that you developed once you got into the role and you sort of had a, a sense or a chance to kind of yes. assess the needs of the community. Exactly. There was, I mean, statistical data mm. supports a lot of what we do and what's come to the forefront, as as you saw, was property crimes, um, uh, theft from and of motor vehicles. Those are Those are simply what's happening in our community and they're crimes of opportunity. Um, you know, criminals come in and they see an opportunity to do something and, and unfortunately our victims have left it pretty easy for them by leaving property visible, leaving their keys in the car, uh, leaving their cars unlocked and, and criminals take advantage of that. So we're trying to curb some of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, I mean, we can only do so much that effective in patrols, but it's going to come down to education of the public to secure their property better, um, try to have better secure places. If there's lighting, can we improve that lighting? Um, if there's doors that have to be locked, can those doors be improved on or security access be better? Those kinds of things that we can share and talk to property managers, uh, owners, the public at large, those kinds of things. Yeah. The Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I'm just going to take a few minutes of your time for a few reminders. First of all, the podcast is sponsored by E equals MC Squared, wonderful co-workspace in Canmore that uh, is available for people like you and me who want to have a lifestyle where, hey, you know what? You want to take off during the middle of the day. You want to go for a hike or you want to jump on a snowboard and uh, and then hit the computer again and hit the business again and start making money again. Uh, so a great place for people like you to plug in. Now, you can check out E equals MC squared in a few different ways. One, come in, check it out. The first day is free. If that's too formal for you, two other ways that you can do it. One, on Wednesdays, we have Lunchbox Lectures. And Lunchbox Lectures is an opportunity for you to learn from other people who are working for themselves, uh, are entrepreneurs, and have figured out a way to not only have that lifestyle, but to make their work work for them. Number two way to plug in, wind down Fridays. So at Friday at about four o'clock, everybody shuts off their laptops and congregates into the equals MC squared living room to chat and discuss the latest and the greatest in the Bow Valley. So don't want to miss that if that's a way that you think is best for you to plug in. So where is E equals equals MC? It's a formula, but it's also a place of work. Uh, So where is E equals MC squared? E equals MC squared is just off of Railway Avenue, right above the sports experts. And uh, it's just on the second floor there. So uh, you know the place, you know the area. We share a parking lot with uh, the Save On Foods. And uh, yeah, we're just right there in the middle of the action in Canmore. 
Okay, so I will link the address. I will link the website in the show notes. Make sure you check out the website again, Wednesdays at lunch, Fridays at 4 p.m. Check us out. Hey, and it'd be great if you could work in the same space as I am. Talk to you soon. Back to the show, the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. I think a lot of our listeners, uh, Camera is an interesting community because we'll have we'll have some people who live here part time, yep. uh, so they're not here all the time. And then we also have some people who live here who may come from another country mm-hmm. and they might live here for a year or two before they move on. Yep. But um, is there sort of unique, uh, I guess, challenges? In a in a community like ours that you, you sort of encounter, um, or is the foundation kind of the same? I think. Well, actually, I think the foundation here is is better established. We have um, uh, immigration support group that that tries to um, to help help uh, newly arrived people to integrate in the community better. Okay. We can we can support that group by saying, well, here's what the law enforcement that they see here yeah. is significantly different than they see in the country they come from. Mm-hmm. We can actually be of assistance as opposed to hinder yeah. some of their opportunities. Um, um, as far as the part-time residents, uh, you know, they they come to town. You know, they, the nice thing about Canmore is that it seems to be family-oriented. Yeah. It seems to be supporting a lot of recreational activity-based. So the joy of Canmore is that people are go to bed at the end of the day, they're tired. They're, they're not <laughs> yeah. looking for another party. That's right. And that's where, you know, uh, you know, a community like Banff, which is, you know, I've met some officials there and they talk about every day is a Saturday. It's so different. <laughs> yeah. Hey? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here, it's 20 minutes away. exactly. We have that joy. People come here and they want to, they want to be in the mountains, whether it be hiking, biking, walking, uh, they want to enjoy the the fresh air. They want to be here. So that that piece of the the part time residents, it's they're non existent as far as you don't know they're here. Um, well, I mean, sure we see the streets full, the the people enjoying the shopping, enjoying the the dinner. But at the end of the day, you know, when I come down to the streets uh, on a Thursday afternoon at six or seven p.m., you know, there's almost nobody in the streets. It's kind of nice or unique that way. Uh, and you know, having that recreational culture does uh, bring about a, a healthier lifestyle. Um, the other thing is that on the youth side, you know, we have minimal youth issues. We had, I think, six charges for youth last year, and five of those six relate to driving, whether it be okay. motor vehicle, provincial offenses. Of that's it, because our I mean our as. As the community is active, those adults are active, and if they have children, they're active as well. So I mean, we have a lot of high-level athletes in this community. They're involved in coaching, mentoring, and the youth follow suit. So, you know, if, if you've ever been a parent, if your child goes to bed tired rather than bored, they're going to sleep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's really, it's, a, it's an exciting community to live in when it comes to that kind of lifestyle. The really, the really neat thing that um, <clears throat> that I've learned just from from you being here is that uh, the RCMP has um, ways to really engage the community here. Like there's there's a number of vehicles for that. Yeah. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that. Maybe some of our listeners who are just not necessarily familiar. 
Um, this, well, we have well, we have the policing committee, yeah. uh, which is a volunteer group. Um, and what I what I try to do in that collaborative piece is work with the policing committee to define what our policing priorities would be. And in our committee, we have myself. Uh, we have a town administration piece of uh, Mr. Greg Burtz on that committee, um, and we also have um, a, an elected official, a council members on that committee, Mr. Rob Seeley. And then the volunteer base come from all facets of different work. We have some people that have hotel experience, some have business experience, some are contractor constructor, some are some are house parents, and you know they they have their vested interest in their children, um, what they want their their kids to be involved with. They want a safe community. So I mean that feedback from them tells me if they're out there talking to their to their, their circle of influence or their friends or family or and they're getting feedback of what their police service is doing. What are we doing now? What could we do more of? What could we improve on? Those kinds of things. That's the feedback I hope to get. So we've we've gone to different communities. Uh, I've gone to the financial institutions and talked about what we provide as a service. Coming to this group and saying, telling you what we provide for service. You know, so that communication piece is really important because I mean, so many groups are already dictated to what a mandate is. Sure. So why not tell us what it is you want to see us do more of or do better? Yeah, yeah. Um, John, I want to spend a little bit of time just talking a little bit about you personally. Mm -hmm. So, well, we kind of had a laugh that you don't maybe have very much time <laughs> off, right? But um, yeah. when it when it's when it's what's the what's your personal life kind of oh. look like feel like at a high level here? I mean, I I, I came here as a desire for one to get closer to British Columbia. Yeah. But the same token, you know, I, I, I have, I have a life outside of work Yeah. and I do enjoy motorcycling. Uh, one of our community members now, our current chair, he and I, um, got involved in motorcycling and he likes to ride. He and I share the same interest of a ride is not two hours. It's about eight hours. Yeah. And, you know, if we're not putting in 800 kilometers in the day, we really haven't gotten a ride. So we, he and I uh, share that passion. It's kind of nice. Um, so motorcycling has always been there. Um, I back in my youth, I learned to ski in the Okanagan. So skiing is downhill skiing. Yeah. And I know, like a lift going up to the mountain and coasting <laughs> down the mountain. So I enjoy downhill skiing. And that I took part. I, I took a season's pass when I first got here. Another passion of mine that which I want to give back in the community is hockey. I yeah. played hockey as a youth, and I learned from my mom that my first uh, uh, tuition fees or joining fees of hockey were paid by a friend of hers, so I want to give back to minor hockey. Oh, cool. So I, I officiate minor hockey. I did that for two seasons and took a break this last season. I had some some personal matters and issues I wanted to look after, sure. so I took a took a break from minor hockey, so I'm looking to rekindle that again and and then this coming season in 2000. 18, 19, I get back into minor hockey and officiating. I enjoy that, I guess, the rules part, you know, being in, not only an enforcer of rules, but a collaborator or, or a facilitator of, you know, this is how you need to understand this rule. So that comes naturally from me, from the policing world. So I enjoy that piece. And bringing up young officials to have an appreciation for the game from that side. I mean, I, I, I had two boys. They still well, still have two boys. Yeah. They're, they're grown men now. They'll be uh, 26, 27 this year, and they went through 
the sporting world of swimming, hockey, lacrosse, um, field lacrosse. They tried baseball when they're younger, but I mean, as a parent growing with the kids, you can get really involved and be active with what they do and, and fuel their passion and that light. So hockey was a big passion and lacrosse I got to know. And my my wife then, ex-wife now, she went through my son with the swimming piece and got involved at high levels of officiating and swimming. I did some timekeeping in swimming. Um, swimming is not as exciting and fun as is hockey. Yeah. Hockey, you know, you have you have uh, sixty minutes, or you know, you're involved in the ice, uh, three twenty-minute periods. Uh, that's an entire piece. And swimming, my son excelled in four events, and they were over in about a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, you have age groups. Men, women, ladies, girls, female, uh, boys, and all that, those competitive in the day. So a three-day event, you would see your child in about four minutes of activity. In the meantime, you're always there supporting everything. So it's different. It's different, but it's still enjoyable. You see competitiveness and this team spirit and, and that unity that brings kids together. It was really exciting to see in a different side. So my son went through a lot of different functions of of uh, provincial and national levels. So my, my wife got to see a lot of that. But my son on the other side, my youngest, we were the lacrosse um, hockey tango duo. Yeah. The three of us officiated as well until my son, my oldest son got involved in swimming. He took that to another level. So my youngest and I did a lot of the officiating side, officiating and, and it was really good, fun. That's good. Yeah. So I mean, I, I love that peace to give back in the community of mentoring and coaching youth and sports. And is your family, is your family, do you have any family that's close here? Or no, is everybody kind of no, I'm, I'm the only one this side of the Rockies. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> everybody else is, sort of, is on the other side, yeah. uh, west. Um, my my younger brother, he car, he's a carver, and he, uh, our First Nations art. He lives in Vancouver. And uh, then I have another sister who lives in Penticton with her family. And my other brother lives in the Okanagan. And he lives in Kelowna. He's involved in banking. My dad is in Penticton as well. So he's involved in uh, in property development and property management. Uh, so they're all over there. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why my, as I, as the older I get and the more attached to what I used to know as home is the Okanagan. So every yeah. time I drive out of the valley and head back uh, to the mountains, you know, I kind of miss the Okanagan kind of pulls me back. Yeah. It's not too far of a drive. No, it's not. No, I'm home quite a bit actually. Uh, John, what are you looking forward to? Just, you know, what are the what are the next few years look mm. like for you, career wise, career wise, life wise? You know, if if I I want to develop Canmore Detachment to be yeah. a fully sustainable police service for the town of Canmore, for the the provincial side that we provide great service. Uh, that we there were leaders in community policing or crime reduction and that we have the best men and women in our organization providing that service for these communities that's my goal and how we do that is uh, we have good solid police officers doing the best job they have they're supported by by an admin support staff that are doing a great job for to support our police officers in operations <clears throat> and that the town of Canmore really has no worries that they're they're given the best police service that they that they can. So that's my goal. And uh, I'm a 
probably about three quarters there. We have okay. a real good foundation of police officers, and they're doing a lot of good work. Everybody's here, wants to be here. I mean, as the Mounted Police goes, um, when you join the Mounted Police, your first posting really is not your choice. So we may end up with a lot of – there was a time period where we had about seven or eight we call them cadets, and their goal was to just get the groundwork of policing and move on to the next spot. We have now a good, round, well-rounded uh, senior-level police officers where they've looked at Canmore, and this is the place they want to come to. They want to set their roots down, and they want to be a part of the community. So we have a really good foundation of police officers that are that have a strong desire to do their best here. So it's really positive. That makes my job easy, you know. So now I just simply support them in that role and find it, find a, to try to bring pleasure to their career in, in Canmore or the Bow Valley. Yeah. Yeah, give them that opportunity. John, this has been great. Um, and thanks for spending the time with us. Just before we let you go, mm-hmm. what's the – if one of our listeners is, is listening to this and, and is interested in law enforcement. Yep. Uh, you know, as a civilian or wants to get involved in some way or has questions, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to connect? Like well, we, we have um, rcmp.ca, it, and you go to the recruiting portion. It, it outlines every everything you need to do in order to be an applicant to the RCMP. But, I mean, it comes down to um, life experience. and What do you bring to the table? Uh, are you involved in your community? What levels are you involved in? Are you a volunteer? Are you supporting your community? Um, people sometimes confuse or, or think that if they're involved in criminal forensic sciences or criminal uh, justice, those kinds of things, I mean, they're valuable. They're great. Uh, but it, you don't really see that education component being valuable until you're later in your career or you specialize in those areas of, um, of duties. Oftentimes your first three to five years are getting the groundwork of, of policing down and the foundation and fundamentals of policing. I mean, at 35 years, I can honestly say, you know, I, I, I know what I don't know <laughs> because there is so much in policing. It's always evolving and changing. Yeah. And I mean, you might have a, a criminal instance uh, or investigation, which we know the foundation is is basic and the principles are simple, but the people that are involved in that, uh, the victims, the witnesses, um, the suspects, they're all different and what they bring to that offense is different than what, than what was back in the day of, you know, 35 years ago. So, so the people are always the constant that are changing. So the work is always changing. It's, I mean, you suit up at the beginning of the day and, you know, what the day brings is not what yesterday brought or tomorrow is going to bring. And that's the joy of, of this work. It's, you know, I always say improvise, adapt, and overcome. Those are the kinds of things that we have to bring to our work is the flexibility of change. Change is always going to happen. Yeah. And I, I welcome it. Yeah. It brings the excitement of the work. That's why, you know, today is is different than yesterday. You know, yesterday is so different than the day before. And uh, thankfully, I think maybe it's due to old age, but uh, the memory is good, it's just short. (laughs) So, so, I mean, what I did two days ago or a week ago was different today because I forgot what I did last week. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I I just love the work. It's it's exciting, it's challenging. 
Yeah, Fun. I think people can tell. I yeah. can tell. Thank you. Um, yeah, that passion's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thanks a lot. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's so great meeting you. And I'm excited to now if I can run into you in the streets. Oh, for sure. So good. Yes, yeah. it would be good. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then, um, and then, yeah, we'll we'll leave some of those details in the show notes too if people want yeah. to get involved or if they have questions and we can make sure we direct them to the yeah, website too. For so. sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot, John. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Bekdash. Don't forget to rate and review this episode if you enjoyed the show. You can find more great content online at themountainlifepodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.